0: Hello, and welcome to the Every Little Model podcast, where we look at the models, tools, and frameworks that people use to make sense of their organizations and their world. Today, I am delighted to be joined by facilitator and, in my own phrasing, not hers, change agent, Mm -hmm. Robin Parsons, who will be helping us to get to know a little bit more about a model of team growth. I know it's one of Trisha's favorites, and she's not here today, and she's very disappointed not to be engaging in the conversation. And it's certainly a model that is one of my favorites. Robin, welcome to the program.
1: Well, thank you so much.
0: Delighted to have you here. Robin is a leader, facilitator, and strategic thinker with Parsons Dialogue, helping organizations have better conversations that help them work together more effectively. Robin, before we get started, tell us a little bit more about Parsons Dialogue and the work you do.
1: Yeah. So we've been around since 2014, although we formally changed our name in 2020, but you know, we're facilitators. And so what we do is we work with groups. And I always say we help them have the conversations they need to have to solve the problems they need to solve. And so we don't bring advice. We're not consultants. We don't bring, you know, we'll tell you how to do it. We come into the room with the assumption that the group has the wisdom and the capacity to solve their problems. And if we give them good process, they'll get there. So that's, you know, sort of our philosophy coming into the room. We work with a lot of multi-stakeholder groups, which we love. We work with large group dialogue, you know, so it could be a management team coming together as an example, or, you know, we've done sort of, you know, community where the entire hospitality community of a small town comes together to talk about something. So, you know, more than, more than 20 people, let's put it that way. And then we also do quite a lot of strategic planning and we do conflict resolution. And so those are sort of our four sort of buckets that we play in of activity. And I have a partner, Dave Robertson, and then we have some other colleagues that come in and out of projects.
0: Oh, fantastic. Large group facilitation. As Trish and I, in previous episodes, have tried to emphasize, it's a different beast. Once you get, I mean, the different beast, it's not that necessarily the more difficult or less difficult, whether you're working with small groups or large groups, but they're very different. The approach they is. are.
1: Yeah. It's different process, right? You're thinking at scale. So how do you get a hundred people at scale talking and engaged and producing a product that you can actually use?
0: If you don't mind me asking, what led you into this area of work and what motivates you to do it?
1: Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's funny, if you talk to any facilitator, they all have a different path to this location. But I worked in corporate strategic planning, business intelligence for many years. And in those roles, I always found myself at the front of the room trying to lead a group of people through a conversation. And so in 2014, I found myself free to re-architect my future, (laughs) aka laid off. (laughs) And, uh, you know, when I sat back and thought about what did I feel good about or what did I enjoy doing, it was really this process of helping people talk and think together, because I felt like that was actually one of the biggest value ads I could have in the business place, because I think you know this, but we don't always talk that well in the business world. And so we may not
0: always think that well either.
1: Right. And so to put it crudely, I always feel like when I leave a group, I leave them better than I found them. I make the workplace a little bit less lousy.
0: <laughs> I love that. No, wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Removing friction as yeah. the reason why teams aren't where they want to be is mm-hmm. always I to find very gratifying.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I
0: could take a little bit of the grit out of what's causing all that heat, that would be Absolutely.
1: nice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it feels good, right? So when the team at the end of the day goes, wow, we couldn't have talked about that without your help, or we just wouldn't have accomplished this much without you, you kind of go, okay, my purpose has been fulfilled today.
0: <laughs> we we like to ask our guests about a model that is near and dear to their heart. And then this is every little model after all. And so the one you have for us today is the stages of team development model. And if you don't mind bringing us in, can you tell yeah. us more about what this model is and why it's a favorite of yours?
1: Yeah. And it's not new. So Bruce Tuckman developed this model in 1965, As the data goes back. And I actually in preparation for this, I went back to say, okay, when did this actually happen? And so he had done a lot of observation of groups. And so he formed a theory about groups going through these processes or stages of development. And so he, in 1965, kind of came out with a four-stage model. And there were the first four stages were forming, group comes together, storming, group is not working well together, norming, group is starting to figure out how to work together and performing. They do really well. And then what I learned is that in 1977, he and another colleague went back to say, okay, does any other research support what we came up with? So this is, you know, 12 years later. And so they discovered that actually there was a lot of supporting research for the model. And then they also discovered a fifth stage, or people started talking about a fifth stage of the model. Some people call it transforming. Some people call it adjourning. Some people call it reforming. But the point is, is there's a point at which the team changes materially. And so generally, a team comes together for a purpose. Purpose is fulfilled. The team has a fifth stage where they're either going apart, mourning their existence, Reforming around a new task or you know, transforming into something different altogether.
0: There are so many of these models, as you say, they're not new. They may be new to any given team that is not steeped in the world of organizational effectiveness or organizational development, but they have a long history. And what was interesting in you telling the very, very briefest of histories of this model is it started off as a framework in almost like a pragmatic way, a framework to help us try and figure out how. Let's look at what teams do. It seems as though there are patterns depending on where mm-hmm. they are. And let's develop a model or a framework around that. And it seemed to help. You go 12 years later, and then suddenly there's a lot of research to back up that mm-hmm. pragmatic intuition, which is an interesting way in which these models develop. And then there's the improvisational bit. When you get to the end, it's, surely there must be something next. Where uh, people used to quip, it was, the last stage was boring. But that notion of transforming, turning into something else, starting a new perhaps S-curve is, is interesting. In my experience, I've had clients say, please tell us, we're not the most dysfunctional team you've come across. <laughs> it's really the it feels like we've been having the same conversations with the hmm. same interpersonal issues for you know, a year. Is this ever going to change? Or where are we as a team? I gather this kind of model helps orientate a group as to where they might be.
1: Yeah, I really like and thank you for summarizing the model so beautifully. That framework is really helpful to a group. So I've introduced this model to many groups recently, because we post pandemic groups are a bit of a mess. And so I've been introducing it quite often. And I always introduce this. I want to share a model with you. This is not new. But I want to share this with you, because I think it'll help you understand what's happening with you. And so and people always go, oh, right, they have this big aha moment when they see it because they can see where they sit in this model and why they're struggling. And so the model helps them to see that what they're going through is actually quite normal, what they're going through is not atypical, that there is a journey through this, that there's something there's something rational in this process. Yeah. And for groups, it can be very relieving. They don't have to blame each other or feel like failures. They can say, actually, we're in a process.
0: How transferable is the kind of experience of being in a higher performing team over to when maybe the individuals disband and go off to other teams? Have you seen any kind of, do they serve as a catalyst to other teams going through these stages? That's a good question. So
1: one of the things about this model is that we tell it linearly, these five stages, but it's actually quite circular, right? So people can advance forward and backward, forward and backward. And the important thing to understand is when the membership in the group changes, you go back to forming. And that's probably the most helpful insight for groups when I deal with them is they're like, oh, well, we've changed. We've had four different leaders in five years or the team has turned over 50% in the last six months or we've had three new people join us and suddenly things are different, right? So understanding that change in membership equals restarting the journey is really helpful for the group. We worked with a political party recently and you know they literally have had five leaders in four years, and they have turned over the, just their governance structure. Turns over their board every two years. So they look at this and they're like, "No wonder this is chaos because we are constantly changing our membership. We never get past storming."
0: That's so insightful. May offer of a vignette at the end of this just to comically underscore it. But no, I think the understanding that there's a default. A trip switch, if you will, mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. triggered when you change membership of a team, yeah. no matter if, if you're all the way at performing, that the moment you start to change to the composition, you are going back to square one. Now, you may not, you know, maybe we'll get into this a bit later, you may not spend the same amount of time there. A lot of teams will say, ah, no, we'll just revert to norming and kind of integrate them. I'm like, yeah. No, you are actually a different team now. Yeah. You do need to start over again. But to, to to your point about changes, I was working with a team on a three day team development workshop, and they had swapped out their 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 leaders and, and and one of their team members on on the last day. And I'm like, yes, I feel like we are at day one again here on day three. I think we we have to start.
1: Yes, yes, that's so true. And then to your point about people who've been in performing teams go off somewhere, they kind of get that they were through something, and they get that it's possible. And they bring, you know, that capacity to help the group through these stages. So they might progress faster, but there's no guarantee of that, right? So a group that was really functioning well, when they bring a new team member on, they might absorb that person and move through those stages really fast. But a group that was already struggling will continue
0: to struggle. When you engage a team, where do you typically find them?
1: Storming. They call us when they're storming. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it 's just a given, so again, because people don 't necessarily appreciate that they 're in an evolutionary process, right, so what <laughs> it sounds like this call something like is ah we 'd like a team development session, okay, well, tell me about your group, yeah, well, you know we 've got this new team, and we 've got some strong personalities and, and we mostly get along, but we 're starting trying to, to be a bit difficult now it 's like, okay, well, you know what 's the group like well we 've got eight people and three have been there for a really long time, but we 've turned in two new people. Ah, okay. So now I'm getting a picture, right? So the model helps me to diagnose what's going on in the group and then where, you know, how we start to intervene with them, right? Where how we start to, you know, form an entry point into the group. But so yeah, it's all, it, they almost always call us at storming.
0: In terms of the transitions, do you find any transition more or less challenging than others?
1: Certainly, storming to norming is the hardest. And I think actually what you were describing was a team where they had normalized and figured out how to do disagreement well. So I would actually say that the description you gave me is probably they're in the norming stage and they that the norms that they have established is we know how to disagree with each other and we can sit in that disagreement and we can enjoy that creative friction or that creative abrasion and we can get a result out of that, right? Which is how they go from norming to performing. Where the storming, you know, for me is hard because the team has to walk away from the grievances that they may be holding with each other and agree to some behaviors that will help them to move out of that, right? So this political party that we had worked with, they were so deep into what I would call the drama triangle and triangulation, you know, where everyone's talking about everyone behind their back, but not to them. And so they were so entrenched in that, that until they change those behaviors, they'll have a very hard time going to norming right? Until they get to a place where actually we need to talk to each other. And when I have a disagreement with you, John, I'm going to talk to you directly versus I'm going to talk to Joanne about you, but never to you about the thing that bugs me about you. It's the behavior shift, right?
0: No, it's one of those things that when you describe what is being done, it seems just absolutely absurd. The best way for me to give you feedback is to tell someone else. (laughs) Well, it's more fun. It's more dramatic. (laughs)
1: I can describe way. all sorts of sinister motives to you that way.
0: <laughs> oh, exactly. Exactly. And suffer no consequences for being wrong. <laughs> yeah. <Right. laughs> These, it's, this is a wonderful model. And again, we'll, at the end, we'll give folks some, some links as to where to find the visual. A reminder that we, we will typically see this model splayed out left to right against perhaps even a, a life cycle curve. Uh, mm-hmm. Forming, norming, storming, performing, and then depending on on how you see the ending, often transforming as as we we're mm-hmm. saying here. When this is put up in in front of teams, you know, maybe it's a function of as as kids learning board games, you can't help but wonder: Can I skip a level? And, and and it is. I know the framework isn't certainly meant to be as rigid as that. But have have you seen teams either successfully skip or try to skip? Do you think that that you have to go through each of these? these stages no matter what
1: I think teams can actually make a light pass through storming if they've got good leadership right So that forming is everybody comes together and you know we're sort of figuring out okay what's your role and you know forming is often characterized by everyone's very polite and careful right because I'm not really sure what your role is and I'm not really sure what mine is and I don't really know what my decision rights are and I don't really know how to use your skills right A good leader will get them through storming quickly. Because they will normalize that disagreement and they will work with the group to clarify like they'll actively be working, okay, I know we're all new here, I know we're figuring this out, so let's sit down and talk through these things right so they'll help them through that and so if they get if they get that then they can go quite quickly, I think through storming and then norming is that period of time of learning. If the team stays intact with successful behaviors I you know and the conditions around them, I think they can go to performing quite quickly I'm not sure that they ever skip a step, but I do think that they don't have to linger in a stage.
0: Right. No, I like that. There's some parallels with another framework about the four transitions for organizational change that Tricia and I have spoken about. And, you know, we use the metaphor of these tunnels, these liminal spaces. Mm. You know, you're at the front of it. You do have to go through this to get to the other side. And there's a crucible moment within each of these, these tunnels and in that framework. Um, but we've, we've also thought about, well, you know, good, are all the tunnels equally as long? Sometimes we make them longer because you know rather right. than get on a vehicle, we're walking, we're sitting. <laughs> but but to your point, you know, you don't have to spend as much time in each of these as you uh, mm-hmm. as you grew. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And organizations with you know healthy cultures anywhere probably moving quicker. You know, as I was thinking about this conversation. You know corporate reorgs, right? How many corporate reorganizations have you been a part of? Because they're going to make the organization better, right? This is going to make us more efficient, leaner, more market friendly. Whatever, pick your adjectives, right? And nobody ever calculates the time it takes for these groups to reset, right? We've just merged a whole, mashed up a whole group, and they're all supposed to work together for some better outcome. But we don't calculate that time. And so then, you know, three months into it, we're frustrated that we don't have these high levels of performance coming out of these new entities. So those teams that move better are those teams that recognize that actually we've made significant change and we have to work through that. But those that don't, then you, then you can spiral into some pretty ugly post-corporate reorg experiences, as I'm sure you've seen.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, no, the, the, <laughs> I think time. in your
1: previous life, you may have been called in to help some of <laughs> I, I, I perhaps
0: have witnessed them firsthand. <laughs> yes. I'm sure there's some fancy word for expression for it, but the, the time to recohere re-co- or I live near Milwaukee and, and our airport, as you get through security, they have this lovely sign, which has become a, a bit of a local touchstone, but it's called the recombobulation area. Those of you who have become discombobulated. And I love that expression. That time to recombobulate as a team. And that's, you know, I don't use that lightly. We've got to figure out who's in the room, how, you know, what are we here to work on, how are we going to work together? Now that we work together, how really ought we to work together? That's right. Et cetera. It takes some time.
1: It does. And I think that's significantly discounted. And humans are relationship and social oriented until those relationships are reestablished in a way that there's enough trust in them that I can say, actually, I need help with this. And I know that John's really good at this. And I'm going to give him a call. Until they get to that place, it's really hard for them to go to that from norming to performing.
0: So so Robin, we love to get some stories from the wild where this model is brought to life with real human beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you give us a story or a vignette of how you've used this model with a client or, or, or other team to help bring it to life for our listeners?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll talk to the political party I've hinted at. And that is that, you know, we... Again, we were brought in at the storming stage. We knew that they were struggling and we came in with an expectation of how they were. And to be honest, they were a little worse than what we thought. So they were a little deeper into it than we thought. So what we did with them is we did a bit of what we call a historical scan. So we did kind of a, what's been all the events and happenings of this entity for the last number of years. And we picked a time period and then they put all their stuff up there. And then we talked about where did things shift and how did they shift and what are the significance of these shifts And you could very clearly see then these stages of this model that started to emerge on their horizon, right? So they had prior to an election, they were actually doing pretty good. They were really excited. They felt like they were in the performing zone. They had good results. They'd gotten kind of better results than they expected, right? And then then what happens is they have a leadership change and you can see how they've reformed. And then the next thing, you know, they're just plunged into all of this challenge and difficulty and frustrations and kind of stuff going on. And so then they had another change of leadership and then they sort of settled and then they had another change of leadership and then they went back and forth again, right? So they could see their journey in like when we laid this model out So then we said we did this experience for them and then we introduced this model to them and they went, oh my God, that was us there and that was us there and that was us there. So then they could sort of stand back from their experience and say, okay, we're not all just being jerks, that actually we've had just a tremendous amount of disruption in our entity as a group. So it was super powerful for them to see that. We've been working with a multi-stakeholder group. And you were describing earlier, I think about you brought somebody in on the third day of a meeting, that was different. And so we've been working on this. It's an environmental group, it's industry, it's community, it's government coming together to monitor air quality. And so multiple stages in this process they're in. And so the first, so we're a meeting 10, the first five meetings were virtual and pandemic virtual. And we got stuck. We immediately got stuck. So the group had come together. We were, you know, bringing them together. They had formed for sure. And we were starting to storm and we were getting stuck. Right. So then we made the decision face to face, brought them in the room face to face. And then we, really focused on developing the personal understandings of where they're coming from, their perspectives and their, the challenges that they were bringing into the conversation. And so we got past this stormy thing and then we got into some norming, kind of meeting six and seven. We're getting really, we're actually getting close to performing. We're getting the results. We're getting decisions. We're getting conclusions. We're really excited about it. Meeting number eight, we get two new players, people with strong positions, really important positions, no way want to diminish them. And then suddenly, boom, we're stalled again, right? We knew this, we anticipated this, but now we're back to kind of moving through those stages again. So meeting number nine comes, because we thought we'd be done at number eight, meeting number nine comes, one more new player. (laughs) Right. And so we're kind of retreading ground that we have retread in our previous three or four sessions while these people are coming up to speed, while they're understanding the disagreements that have been resolved, while they're understanding how the group decides, while they're understanding how we form conclusions. Right. And so there will be a (laughs) 10th. (laughs) Which we hope the membership all stays the same. Actually, it will all stay the same. So we expect good results for that. But it's been interesting. And then knowing this model in our background, we were making different choices about how to put people together, how to get to know each other, how deeply we wanted them to know each other through the process to try and enable this stage transition.
0: Thank you for sharing that. We are not a morning radio show, so we would never put sound effects over this, but those of you listening to that story can go back and add your own record scratches to those (laughs) (laughs) changes. It's (laughs) true. Thank you for sharing that. Our final question, this is one we ask all of our guests, and it's sometimes difficult to place a model in each of these areas, but what type of model would you categorize the stages of team development model as? Is it a why model? It's a model that might provide meaning and a sense of importance for the development effort. You know, the why we're doing this. Is it, is it a how model that explains, say, the mechanics of how something works? Is it a what model that guides action? This is what to do. Or is it an if model that helps us test or verify whether something is mm. working? It's a tough one, Robin, but where do you see this Tuckman model I, sitting? I
1: think it's a how and a what. So I think it's, I would use this with a group to say, here's what's going on with you. Here's conceptually the frame that you're sitting in to give context. And then the how, it helps me decide what's the kind of activity I should be focusing on if I've diagnosed that the group is at a certain stage. So when they're first coming together, I'm trying to get them to understand each other, what they bring, their skills, their abilities, But if they've come in at the storming stage, then what I'm trying to do is get them to deeply understand their perspectives and know each other on a personal level to depersonalize the storming from the problem. So it's not that Joanne is, is difficult. It's that Joanne has an issue that's important and challenging. Right. So you separate the issue from the person so that then, you know, if or if I'm coming into the norming stage where I know they're sort of moving out of that, then I'm going to really focus on. So what are our agreements for working with each other and how do we disagree and how do we make decisions and really focus on them agreeing and practicing their 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 principles for working together?
0: Robin, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing this model. I was very excited about having this conversation. Meeting <laughs> expectations and those are already high. Oh, uh, thank you. You're very welcome. If you would like to learn more about the stages of team development, you can check out the links provided in the podcast notes. You can also find the visuals that we explored in our Instagram page, as well as on LinkedIn. You can also find and reach our guest, Robin, at www parsonsdialogue.com. will also provide that link. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it and send a message to hello at everylittlemodel.com and let us know your thoughts. And lastly, don't forget to download the Every Little Model app where you can access all of the models from the podcast, plus extra resources. You can join us again next time when we explore a new model and the stories and experiences it inspires. Thanks for listening.